we are honored to have Michael Kugelman. Michael uh, is an expert on South Asia. He is the South Asia Institute Director at the Wilson Center. He is a writer, political analyst, and an expert on foreign policy. So, Michael, thank you so much, and we are honored to have you on our show after a long while. Uh, thank you for your time. So, Michael, tell us how do you see the visit of uh, General Asim Munir, the Chief of Army Staff of Pakistan, to U.S. Well, it's it's been a uh, an interesting visit. The one reason why I say that is that it has been uh, quite a lengthy visit, not just in terms of him being in Washington, but also in the U.S. So we know that uh, he was in New York recently to meet with the U.N. Secretary General, and it's been a long time since the Pakistani Army Chief met with the U.N. Secretary General. Um, it comes at an interesting time. I think it comes at a time that's not conducive for U.S.-Pakistan relations, simply because here in Washington, there's so much so much focus on so many other things, particularly to you know major conflicts, as you know, the war in Ukraine and the war in Gaza. And Pakistan doesn't really figure uh, in those conflicts uh, in any type of big way, uh, obviously not directly, but not indirectly um, either. So I think that it's just very difficult for uh, Pakistan to get the attention of the administration right now. But indeed, the fact that you do have the army chief, the most powerful political leader in Pakistan in the U.S., it, it provides opportunities for, for the relationship. In theory, it provides opportunities to reset the relationship. But I think that we need to keep our expectations in check. Um, you know, for me, one of the big storylines with this relationship is that um, ever since U.S. forces left Afghanistan, the two sides have really struggled to identify new anchors mm. for, for cooperation. That may be one of the goals of Munir's visit. But um, you know, I think that there's a disconnect. I imagine that uh, General Munir came to the U.S. wanting to try to get the U.S. to agree to deeper uh, security cooperation, particularly counterterrorism cooperation. And yet, um, though that is something that uh, you know the U.S. wants to talk to Pakistan about, there have been discussions and dialogues on counterterrorism concerns. The U.S. actually wants to reshape the relationship to focus more on non-security issues, including trade, investment, climate change cooperation. But with the economy, what it is in Pakistan, it's not very realistic to make economics a new pillar for the relationship at this point in time. But you know, you know, one final point on on his trip. Um, you know, I think that for me, the interesting thing is what does he want to talk about and what do the Americans want to talk about? Because I imagine that he'll want to talk about a number of things that the Americans don't really have much of an interest in discussing, such as Kashmir, for example, um, also the issue of India, which I think that the, the the army chief would want to bring up the you know the allegations against India for this assassination, this reputed assassination plot, may try to push the U.S. to rethink its relations with India, which I don't think the U.S. is willing to do. But I, I think that if there's one core issue that the U.S. would really want to discuss with the with the the army chief in this visit. It would have to be the Afghan refugee um, policy, you know, the mass expulsion of Afghans, just because you have so many Afghans waiting for special immigration visas to come to the U.S. I imagine that U.S. officials would want to get assurances from General Munir that those Afghans will not end up back in Afghanistan. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, uh, Michael, there is another aspect of it. Pakistan is facing this series of attacks uh, from TTP, the tehreek e taliban Pakistan, from Afghanistan, based in Afghanistan. And there is a high resentment uh, and the relations with the Afghan Taliban have come to, I guess, bottom low between Pakistan and Afghan Taliban. Uh, I, there is a talk that Pakistan should go and do conduct a surgical strike inside Afghanistan. So do you think security, security and the relations with Afghanistan were on the agenda? 
Oh, absolutely. Afghanistan yeah. and the, the terrorism issue were definitely on the agenda. And most, if not all, of the meetings that General Munir has had and will have uh, during his remaining days here. And indeed, I, I don't want to underplay the this resurgence of terrorism in Pakistan. Indeed, it is very serious. Um, so there have been conversations in recent months between the U.S. and Pakistan on counterterrorism cooperation, but not in terms of kinetic levels of cooperation, more in terms of discussions about how the U.S. can help Pakistan address terrorism in terms of strengthening its capacity to reduce the likelihood of it, um, building up its capacities in law enforcement and, and conducting investigations and uh, that type of thing. The problem, I think, when it comes to this issue of scaling up counterterrorism cooperation is that they have the US and Pakistan have different views as to what constitutes the biggest terrorist threat. I mean, of course, Pakistan is concerned about the TTP. The US is not as as, as concerned about TTP as it used to be, just because you know, it appears the TTP does not really target um, uh, Americans or American interests uh, anymore. For the US, the main concern is Islamic State Khorasan. But this is where it gets interesting. If you look at the messaging coming from US officials in recent months, there's been a lot of acknowledgement that the Taliban in Afghanistan uh, have actually been able to conduct operations that have degraded the, um, the capacities of ISK. And that suggests to me that um, you know there's not as much of an incentive from a US perspective to partner with Pakistan on CT because A, they, they're not as concerned about the TTP issue, and B, the issue that they are concerned about, ISK, is something that the Taliban are actually helping out with, even if, uh, even if uh, indirectly. But all that said, you know, there, there's been ongoing debates and defense dialogues between the two countries over the last few years, and you know, they talk about a number of things, but one of the consistent focus areas will has been terrorism, and that'll continue to be the case, just because at the end of the day, they both agree that you have significant terrorist threats emanating from Afghanistan. So, uh, Michael, uh, yeah, uh, there is uh, another question that uh, during this discussion, see, uh, you, you, you guys are following what is going on in Pakistan nowadays. And uh, from sitting here, the way I see it, you know, the control of military is just uh, really very significant now. You know, previously they do it from inside, but you can see it. So how you see it, uh, how the U.S., how much U.S. is concerned of this type of attitude by the military? And do you really believe that uh, uh, Secretary Blinken raised this point to General uh, Asimony? I mean, I, I think it's it's unlikely that um, the U.S. officials meeting with Munir would have wanted to talk about uh, domestic uh, situ domestic situation. Um, I think if anyone would bring it up, it would be the, the army chief himself to sort of justify the need for the army to play a, 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 a substantive role in order to help advanced stabilization. And if he does make that type of argument, I don't see the U.S. pushing back just because it's not interested in discussing those types of, uh, of, of issues. Um, now, look, the, the, to, to be very candid, and this is no secret, um, you know, I would argue that U.S. policy in Pakistan has never prioritized democracy, civilian democracy, democracy promotion. These are stated goals, officially stated priorities by the U.S. government or the, the, the U.S. on the whole. And there have been examples over the years of the U.S. making efforts to strengthen civilian institutions and civilian democracy. Many in Pakistan would disagree, but the Kerry Luger Burma legislation was meant to uh, to strengthen civilian institutions with no conditions. Um, so that, that's that's an example. But, you know, at the end of the day, 
the, the nature of the relationship between the U.S. and Pakistan, it's a very unusual relationship. It's a transactional relationship. And I think that um, you know, the U.S. has tended to have relatively limited goals, most of them security focused, particularly during the years when the U.S. is involved in wars in Afghanistan. And I think that the, con the conclusion of U.S. officials in the past and now is that, you know, when you need to engage on substantive levels with Pakistan, you need to talk to the generals, you need to talk to the army. And this is why you have so many senior U.S. Uh, civilian officials meeting with army chiefs. Uh, that's that's why. So it doesn't help advance democracy, and it certainly does not make it less likely that uh, the Pakistani military would play less of a role in democratic institutions. But I think it's really a practical matter from a U.S. perspective. You want to get things done, you go to those that can get things done because they have mm -hmm. that type of power sure. um, and influence. Now, no final note on this is that um, you know I. I uh, certainly, U.S. officials are aware of, and uh, I assume would acknowledge the significant levels of crackdowns on the, the opposition happening in Pakistan now. But um, it's just not something that is going to be a priority, a discussion point, especially for the security officials that Munir meets with. But also, I think at the State Department, you know, they they want to look at other things. You know, the issues we mentioned before: counterterrorism, the Afghan refugee issue. Um, and, and other things, non-security issues as well, talking about how to create a better environment for more trade and investment and those types of issues. Right. So, Michael, what do you think as the outcome of this meeting? Uh, what Do we see anything different? Because Pakistan was somewhat irrelevant after U.S. pulled out from of Afghanistan. So what has changed now and what will change from this point onwards after this meeting? Right. So I, I don't I wouldn't use the term irrelevant. I don't think the U.S. views Pakistan as irrelevant. It's definitely not a top 10 priority relationship. Mm -hmm. But, you know, General Munir would not have been invited here if the U.S. thought that Pakistan was was irrelevant. So, mm -hmm. you know, there is still some 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 interest for sure in engaging with uh, with Pakistan. And, you know, given that it neighbors Afghanistan, among other things, and the relationships it has with China and other key players like the Saudis and others, you know, this is important for um, for the U.S., but in terms of outcomes, you know, I think we need to keep expectations low. I don't expect any major substantive outcomes. It's not like there's going to be a new arms deal or anything like that announced. Let's not forget that the U.S. has suspended, uh, U.S. security aid to Pakistan has been suspended since the early days of the Trump administration. I don't think there's an interest in uh, in changing that. Theoretically, if you're going to have new initiatives that relate to you know trade deals or agreements to do more on climate change or uh, education or whatever, it shouldn't be the army chief that's making those deals. Things are a bit different now because this, this current army chief is taking a particularly uh, strong role in policy, even more than is usually the case, and in part because of the dynamics in Pakistan and it being a caretaker government. But so theoretically, he's not emboldened or he's not empowered to be privy to these new deals on issues beyond security issues. So if anything, maybe there'd be a new commitment to step up uh, cooperation to some degree on counterterrorism. But I don't really, I wouldn't really look at that. Now, right. as you all know, but in Pakistan, there's always going to be a lot of speculation and conspiracy theories about what's really happening in these discussions. And so many might think that, um, you know, the, the, the army chief is going to be looking for assurances from from the Americans that, you know, they're not going to push back if the election is delayed, for example, uh, or something like that. Again, I don't think those are the types of things the U.S. has any interest in discussing. Um, and I don't really think that we're going to be talking about, you know, secret deals or anything like that.
I just think that, um, you know, here, actually, I'll end here. Here's one thing that we could perhaps expect. It's not a very sexy uh, deliverable or anything like that. But one of the big advantages or the, the successes of U.S.-Pakistan relations over the years has been officer to officer relations. You know, the militaries, you know, they've been they've been they've been they've been at each other's throats in some degrees just because of the history of, you know, the military supporting uh, terrorists that threaten the U.S. and all that. But because you have this long legacy of military training programs and exchanges, uh, you have U uh, Pakistani uh, officers sp spending time at U.S. training academies until fairly recently you had American military officers spending time at Pakistani military academies. You actually have a fair amount of goodwill and camaraderie between officers on both sides. Okay. So maybe there'll be some announcement of um, you know new commitments for uh, training exchanges, not in terms of military training but you know educational training something like that right. and how about on the economic side uh again i think that the u.s is hesitant to agree to new um economic arrangements with pakistan so long as the the economy continues to be uh struggling as it is uh of course it has stabilized a bit with the new imf package and uh, and so on um I do think that this is the place to look uh, as we try to gauge the relationship down the road. You know, you hear the U.S. ambassador in Pakistan in almost every one of his public comments talking about his desire to strengthen trade and investment. But I just don't know what can be done on a substantive level in that regard now, just because here in D.C. there's there's a lot, there's just a lot of concern about the economy being as as uh as, well, as as delegate in the position as it is now so i, I don't think we should set a high expectations for some type of announcement of a new economic deal mm -hmm. mm. Uh, michael uh, another thing is that that uh, okay so since he uh, he said it on the public forum so i can quote him you know with his name kamran yusuf you know is our friend uh, he said in his uh, vlog that he was uh, in dubai and a lot of american think tanks uh, they told him that uh, they were surprised about this visit. Uh, so do you, uh, were you also surprised or it is something very short uh, notice or, but although Wadid Ali Sayyid has mentioned it long time ago that it is about to come. I mean, but uh, uh, how you see it, uh, Michael? I, yeah, I mean, as I said right at the top, um, the timing is is somewhat surprising, given that the U.S. has so many other things going on, you know, Gaza, Ukraine, you know, China, and of course, uh, you know, gearing up for the election here in the U.S. as well. So that that is a bit surprising. And not only that, you know, it's it's nothing surprising. I mean, you always have army chiefs coming to to the U.S. That's that's part of the relationship. But uh, you know, we saw in the photo that I think ISPR posted when the army chief met with Blinken. The ISI chief was standing right there too, so we know that the ISI chief is here with with the army chief. This this sometimes happens, but that's also significant. You have you know essentially the two most powerful um, leaders in Pakistan that are here in the U.S. spending time here. Why now when the U.S. is focused on so many other things? So yeah, I think it is a surprise. But again, I go back to what I said before that there is a legacy of strong officer to officer relations mm -hmm. between the U.S. and Pakistan. And you know, Munir, as you know, has met twice with the CENTCOM chief since he became army chief. You know, just over a year, he's met him twice, both times in Pakistan. So I would think if anything, it would make sense for the the military, the U.S. military to want to meet with him. Um, but uh, the fact that he's getting all these meetings with with so many uh, officials at the State Department, 
uh, and of course, the deputy national security advisor. He met with the UN Secretary General. I do think that he's going to end up at CENCOM at some point if he's not already there. I, he would I, one would think he would have to meet with General Carilla. But um, yeah, it, it is a bit of surprising because of the timing. I'll say that. And, you know, final word, I'll, I'll note on that. If you look at what are the big issues that U.S. officials are thinking about the most now, China, Ukraine, Gaza. Um, I said before that, you know, Gaza, Ukraine don't really relate to Pakistan in a direct way, which is true. But if you think a bit more deeply, you know, there have been multiple reports indicating that Pakistan has provided arms to the Ukrainian military. I don't know. I mean, Islamabad keeps rejecting those reports, but I don't see why that wouldn't be true. Maybe that's something that would be a, that the U.S. would want to talk to Munir about. Gaza, of course, Pakistan is fully behind the Palestinians, but uh, the the Pakistanis and Munir specifically have very close ties with the Gulf states, with the Arab Gulf states, and those are critical players in the the diplomacy that's going on. That the U.S. is trying to conduct vis-a-vis -vis the war. As for China. Very notable that we're hearing military uh, officials in Pakistan in recent months talk about basically signaling that they don't want the U.S. to think that Pakistan is in China's camp and that there's a desire to balance relations between the U.S., uh, between China and the U.S. And we heard Hina Rabani Carr make a comment to this effect some months ago as well in the previous government. So maybe the, the, the U.S. was curious to hear Pakistan's position on the China factor, and especially from you know the, the person that uh, calls the shots on these foreign policy issues in Pakistan. So that, that, th those could be yeah. some additional reasons why the U.S. would want to invite him here now. Okay. Uh, uh, Ms. I don't have any further questions, but uh, no, actually, if, I, yeah. I, I have yeah. some specific questions. Uh, uh, if you allow me, Paraz, yes, I can please, put please. it to Michael. Uh, Michael, uh, uh, you, you know, Dr. Kamran Bukhari, he is our friend, our you know, so um, he said a couple of times in my show that uh, the strategy to uh, tackle the terrorism is. Uh, one of the one of the ways that that Pakistan should do some uh, short military operation and take over some buffer zone, uh, just like Israel did in uh, to avoid the attacks from Syria, you know, taking over the Jolan Heights. So, do you think anything of that form is going on uh, on higher level? Of course, uh, Kamran was uh, giving uh, ideas, but uh, do you see anything like that? Any talk about this kind of issue like that? If, if Pakistan were to do that, terrorism is they, turning a very, very difficult. Yeah, and and I think, Pakistan. I think, if Pakistan were to do that in Afghanistan, do you think U.S. will support? U.S. would support anything like that. Yeah. Yeah, great questions. And of course, I have great respect for uh, for Kamran. Uh, so I mean, for several things to look at here. First of all, I, I have not heard, I'm not privy to any conversations about this. So I don't know if uh, if if this this scenario of Pakistani uh, operations in Afghanistan uh, or to, to target uh, terrorism, if those have been discussed during General Munir's visit or in any other U.S.-Pakistan context. But Several things here. First of all, there is a precedent, right? I mean, we know that uh, in the past, the Pakistani military has staged operations in Afghanistan to target uh, terrorists, not not in the Taliban era or not in the current Taliban era, but it has happened in the past. 
Two, you know, you look at the how things are playing out, and it's the military and the police that are getting hit hard the most by terrorism. Um, civilians are still getting targeted for sure, but most of these attacks are against the military, including military facilities and bases, such as the one in KPK just the other day. So I think the pressure, there's a lot of pressure on, on the army and on Munir to to deal something with the problem, and there's no strategy. There's clearly no strategy at all. It's all very ad hoc at this point. Um, you know, talks clearly don't work, and maybe the Pakistanis would hope that they could try to resume talks with the TTP with uh, with Taliban mediation. But the TTP, they never, they they would, they've never talks with the TTP have never worked, and I imagine they would insist on the same demands that uh, that Pakistan has felt are wholly unrealistic, one being for, you know, the army to get out of North Waziristan, uh, the other to allow Sharia to be imposed. The TTP essentially would like to negotiate um, a situation where they could actually take over North Waziristan. That's pretty much what they're looking to do in, in potential negotiations. So that leaves the issue of kinetic activities. Um, I think that it, it cannot be ruled out. I think it's uh, it's certainly not um, something that Pakistan would would want to do, especially with you know the political turmoil, with the economic uh, crisis, and of course with the the very troubled relations with the Taliban uh, at this point. But you know it sort of raises some interesting questions in that if the Pakistanis were to try to launch some type of operation in Afghanistan to deal with terrorism problems, you know the conventional wisdom is that the Taliban would reject that. They would perhaps even respond militarily, and that you could have the risk of a of a limited war between the Pakistanis and the Taliban, which is so ironic given how this relationship was for for so many years. But here's the issue, and then I'll end here. Um, the Taliban have long denied that their territory is used. Um, by groups that pose threats to Pakistan or any other state. So if if Pakistan were to launch these operations and the Taliban were to react publicly and reject what Pakistan is doing, and also if they were to respond militarily, that would basically show that they've been lying all along, that there's no issue, that you don't have the, the entity actors in, in Afghanistan that pose threats to the Pakistanis or others. So that's a that's a tricky thing for the Taliban to uh, to navigate. But bottom line, I don't think we can rule out the possibility of those types of operations. I think that the Pakistanis would want to keep them covert. They wouldn't want to make a big deal out of them. They would not want to announce them. But of course, uh, the question is how how the Taliban uh, react and um, and so on. I think that we've seen that the fencing, the you know, the fact that much of the the, the Duran line was fenced in recent years, that has not helped. That has not stopped terrorists from entering Pakistan. Um, you know, fortifying border security more broadly that hasn't helped either. So really, Pakistan has very few options at this point for how to deal with this threat, which is why they we can't rule out that that option that you uh, mentioned. But Michael, you know, the Afghan Taliban have really stood behind the TTP. It's pretty obvious, right? They are not willing to conduct any operations against TTP inside Afghanistan. Mm -hmm. Basically, TTP has a, you know, freedom, complete freedom in Afghanistan, right, where they're operating from. So Pakistan has, looks like, has a all right to you know, go conduct operations inside Afghanistan. But the question really becomes, if that, those were to happen, what will be the U.S. reaction? Right. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, and right, I know that it was mentioned before. Um, you know, it's it's hard to say. I think that the U.S. would want to stay as quiet as it could. It would not want to react uh, publicly. And, you know, I, I think that, you know, let's keep in mind that if if this if Pakistan did this, if they went into Afghanistan and staged operations, you know, it's something that would not be received well by the Taliban. It would also obviously it would uh, it would 
embolden the TTP in a big way because they would be the target. And if the U.S. were seen as backing these types of Pakistani operations, I think that could put the U.S. back in the crosshairs of the TTP. So I think that's the last thing that the U.S. wants now, right? I mean, they don't want their 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 nationals, their interests in Pakistan um, facing facing but, threats of TTP. Yeah, Michael, sorry for interruption, but TTP has had the history of attacking U.S. Uh, U.S. officials in Afghanistan and both in Pakistan as well. So there is a history there of TDP attacking uh, U.S. officials. I mean, this, they killed the CIA uh, rep in Afghanistan. And so that was, actually, there was a movie made on that on that as well. So, I mean, I think TDP is a threat, not just to Pakistan, but to U.S. Right. So you're right. Indeed, in the past, TTP have targeted uh, the Americans and, you know, the, the Marriott Hotel bombing and, and other things, too, that uh, that target Americans. But TTP is, is a different entity than it used to be. Or here in Washington, it's perceived as a different entity. It's perceived as a terror group that's no longer um, targeting or even threatening the U.S. It's perceived as a group that's almost right. exclusively targeting Pakistanis as well as Chinese. And we know that the Chinese are getting targeted, but that's because they're working openly with Pakistan on infrastructure. So I, I do think that you know, the U.S. doesn't want to do anything that could risk bringing the TTP back to a situation where it would want to to target the Americans again. So, um, you know, I think that uh, the U.S. certainly backs Pakistan's efforts to address terrorism, including TTP terrorism. So I don't see why the U.S. would oppose uh, steps that Pakistan would want to take to to do exactly okay. that. But it is complicated because you know the U.S. has its own um, access to the Taliban. Uh, you know, it, it is I think depending on the Taliban to to target ISK. Uh, you know, the U.S. it's trying to ensure a workable enough relationship with the Taliban so that it can try to negotiate with them to prevent humanitarian aid from getting caught up. So for all these reasons, if the U.S. is seen as backing a Pakistani military operation in Afghanistan, that's not going to help the U.S. cause with uh, with the Taliban, quite frankly. Okay. So in that sense, is maybe there'd be some, some yeah, silent support in Afghanistan. Uh, yeah, yeah, just yeah, just a short question here. Uh, see, the thing is that I agree with you that uh, you know, like TTP doesn't have yet the global reach, so of course uh, it does not, it cannot attack U.S. interests directly. So are the Al Qaeda's. You know, they did not have initially the global reach, but they get the global reach and they um, put the 9/11 type of terrorist attack. So don't you think that U.S. lawmaker doesn't think about it that in the future? I mean, if they get they grow up, they keep on winning all the things, they can grow, right? I mean, and they can reach there. So uh, do you think that anything like that is the mind Maybe, of the yeah. U.S. policymakers? Uh, no, absolutely. And, and I don't, you know, the last thing I would want to do is to suggest to you or your your, uh, your audience that I think that it, we should be complacent about terrorist threats. Indeed, I mean, the TTP it has a track record of doing horrible things against uh, against Americans. And uh, just because they claim rhetorically that they're not targeting, Amer targeting Americans doesn't mean that they won't in the future. Uh, you know, there is the legacy that you, know, that you mentioned. You know, of course, you had a TTP trained uh, guy that tried to blow up Times Square some years ago. Yes. So yeah. So yes, so uh, yeah. Yeah. Right. So this. So you absolutely. Yeah. You're right. I mean, I can't predict how TTP might evolve, but at this point in time, 
it appears that it is not targeting the U.S. And I think there had been, you may remember this some months ago, there had been a uh, reports that um, the TTP was threatening again to attack the Marriott Hotel in Islamabad, which yeah. of course is a place where Americans are. The TTP rejected that right after those reports came out, which is very interesting. Um, yeah. Now, again, TTP is aligned with other uh, actors um, that I think would want to target Americans. And if you look at the likes of Jamaat ul which maybe a faction of the TTP might be a bit separate from it. They're much more hard line and hardcore. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I agree with you that maybe the U.S. should be a bit more willing to look at the TTP as a bigger threat to itself. But at this point in time, at this very delicate point in time, you know, the U.S. looks at uh, TTP as a group that doesn't uh, doesn't bother it or doesn't threaten it. And given everything else that the U.S. has going on now, the last thing priority. we have to worry about is a new threat to its yeah. security. Uh, you know, in Pakistan or wherever may be the case. Yeah. And I think we're somewhat running out of time, but uh, how do you see the return of Afghan refugees? Uh, how does U.S. see this? And, and I think there has been some claim that U.S. is not very happy about Pakistan forcing the Afghan refugees to return to their country. Right. I mean, I think that uh, Pakistan's response to this, which I which I could acknowledge, which I could sympathize with, is that, well, I mean, the U.S. has taken so much time to um, process these special immigration visas that, you know, it's not Pakistan's fault that two years after the Taliban takeover, you have these Afghans that are still stuck and haven't been able to come to the U.S. But, you know, let's be very clear. I think that if you look at humanitarian law, among other things, you know, it's not right. It's not legal for a, a for individuals to be forcibly sent back to a country where they face threats to their lives it's the, the you know the, the doctrine of non-refoulement i think it's called so so th so there's that yes the us is very concerned and we've seen that um much of the high level diplomacy between us and the us and pakistan in recent days has revolved around this issue tom west as you know was recently in pakistan he discussed this issue you had a senior another senior official from the state department uh who focuses on uh on rights and refugee issues. She was there discussing this. So this is a priority. And um, I think that the, the US is, is, is somewhat reassured and that there have, there's been some pretty substantive discussions between the US and Pakistan on making sure that you don't have that nightmare scenario of thousands of Afghans, SIV candidates being sent back to Afghanistan. And I would think that the Pakistanis, including General Munir, who have a strong interest in making the relationship work with the US, at this point in time, wouldn't want to risk upsetting America by just saying, forget it, we don't care. You know, it's your own fault for not acting more quickly to bring them into the U.S. They're going back to Afghanistan. I don't think that that will happen. But yeah, as I said before, I think that one of the biggest agenda points for many, many of the U.S. officials meeting with Munir is this issue of the Afghan refugee policy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's, Michael, thank you so much for joining. Uh, it was great having you on, the call, on, on, on our show. Uh, audience, we have uh, discussed, as you could see, we discussed the the U.S.-Pakistan relations. Um, there are, you know, it looks like Pakistan has uh, significant challenges, which Pakistan may need the support of U.S., but as Michael suggested, uh, uh, Pakistan is still relevant. Uh, the, the rumors of Pakistan not being relevant uh, as have been turned down. But anyway, uh, until next week, uh, give us your feedback, give us your inputs. Until then, goodbye.